Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuckadelics? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my show. This is my podcast. It's called WTF. Welcome to it. I imagine most of you listening have been here before. Welcome back to you new folks. Well, there's a lot going on. What does that even mean? What am I? Who am I? Rachel Maddow? It's uh, tonight. Uh, strap in because there's a lot going on. Well, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, if you're new to WTF, lordy, lordy, Lord knows there's an entire archive you can access through Stitcher. Just there's like, I don't even know what episode we're on now. We're almost up to a thousand, not far from it. Most recent 50 are always free. And, uh, you know, there's a lot there. So enjoy yourselves. And if you would take some of the advice, it's interesting advice that I, that I can give you from listeners. The emails that come in about the show, many people enjoy the ones where they don't know who the person is more than the person they know. Yeah. But anyways, today, Ted Alexandro is here. Ted is a comedian. I've known Ted for years. He's very funny. New York guy. He's got a, a special out now called Senior Class of Earth. It's available through all things comedy. You can go to atcspecials.com to buy it or rent it. All things comedy is actually all things comedians in the sense that uh, it's uh, owned and operated by uh, comedians. I don't know who exactly is all involved, but I know Bill Burr and Al Madrigal are involved. Comedic empire builders over there at all things comedy. So a couple of things to take care of right now. There's a new batch of handmade WTF mugs for the holidays. These are the same mugs I give my guests. They're very beautiful. They're hand thrown. Uh, you can go to brianrjones.com slash shop to get yours starting today at noon Eastern. And they always go very fast. And if you want more WTF merch for gift giving or for yourself, you can get 30% off all of the stuff that we have available in our merch uh, thing right now. 30% off. You can go to podswag.com slash WTF or click on the merch link at WTFpod.com. Then use WTF as the code at checkout and you can get some new shirts. We got some signed posters. We've got the uh, limited run Gonzo poster from Phoenix. You can get a signed book. All 30% off when you use WTF at checkout. All right, this is personal business I'm getting at. These aren't these aren't paid sponsor plugs. These are me plugs. And I got one more, to be honest with you. 
the audio version of Too Real, which is my last special that I did on Netflix, now available on audio as a download. There's a few vinyl ones around, but I didn't do a big run, so I, I don't even know. I'm not even sure where you can get them. But uh, you can get the, this one if you go to the link on the homepage of WTFPod.com. Okay, that said, that mug, I can't tell you how many guests I talk to that say that that's their mug. That's the one they're using. That's the go-to mug, that Brian R. Jones uh, WTF mug. But that aside, happy Hanukkah to uh, those of you who are uh, Hanukkah, who are Hanukkah-ing. <laughs> Try to say something stupid and it comes out more stupid. Those of you who are doing the Hanukkah, and those, uh, those of you Jews who are not doing it but are still Jews, and I just reminded you that it's Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah. I think we're, we're pretty well into it. What day is today? The 6th? So that's 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th. The 5th night of Hanukkah, that's five candles plus the one that's taller than the other ones. Just a reminder, if you didn't get a new box of candles, it's always a mistake if you're a Jew that decides, like, this year I'm going to do it, and you think you got a few candles left. Or you got enough candles left. If there's even like two or three candles out of that box that are missing because you did it one night and decided to bail four years ago, uh, you're going to come up short at the end and you're going to have a sad looking uh, menorah on the eighth night because it ain't going to be right. The count's going to be off. It's going to be off. My uh, my my girlfriend, partner, I don't, I still not clear. But Sarah the painter uh, bought me some uh, fancy. Uh, artisanal, I believe, maybe even uh, Hanukkah candles. And she gave them to me, and I was like, thank you. And then today, or yesterday, I was on the phone with her, and I'm like, uh, is, is it Hanukkah? Is, is, did it already start? She's like, yeah, haven't you been doing it? And I'm like, no. I mean, I know you got me the candles, and that was a good gesture, but what am I, just going to be home alone with a menorah and my uh, my little yarmulke on that I got to find and uh, lighting it, saying the little uh, the little prayers by myself? That's That's no fun if there's no one there to witness it. I guess I could do it. Maybe it would be moving, but uh, but may- she's coming over. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe I'll let her see that part of myself. It's always an interesting thing when you go out with a non-Jew and you're a Jew-Jew. You do the thing. You're like, all right, you want to see what it looks like? You want to see the Jew thing? Here we go. Dim the lights. <laughs> Strap in. It's going to get crazy here. Baruch Adonai. Look out! Oh, God. Gee, this is crazy. (laughs) Happy Hanukkah. Nonetheless, I think is the point of what I'm saying here. So, I've been enjoying the emails. Subject line, Hope Giver. Dear Mark, this I've never done before, and truth be told, it's not a very Irish thing to do where I'm from. He's from Ireland. But I've listened to others thanking you, so I felt it at least courteous to do the same. I've been listening to your podcast for roughly around 10 years now and will continue to do so as long as you don't give up. Please don't. I started listening to your podcast when my wife took ill at that time, cancer. That's not an insult. It's just I had to find something to occupy my mind whilst I was waiting around in hospitals for long periods of time. My wife was diagnosed with cancer a year after we got married, and we were also devastatingly told that if she survived, we would never be able to have children. 
Now, I was not the one going through the horrendous treatment. I was not the one going through the pain. I was not the one who did not know whether they were going to live or die. The hospital doctors, nurses were all amazing, and obviously we had a great deal of luck on our side. But my wife, who is alive and well today, said that me being there and always being positive really helped her through it. Well, this is how I thank you. Your podcast really helped me through those years. I'm not saying it changed me as a human being or anything like that, but you can't imagine, maybe you can, how valuable listening to you talk through people's problems, issues, lives really helps someone like me who just needed to hear that everyone has shit, that shit can be there every day in all forms, and that shit can break you down if you let it. It kept me afloat, and even though I don't know you, I'm sure that me calling you a giver of hope might seem paradoxical to you, but there it is. So this is my thank you, my tip of the hat. Keep up the good work. P.S. My wife and I now have a two-year-old daughter, and some say miracles don't exist. Peace. John. (sighs) Yeah. I'm glad to hear that, John. Congratulations. I'm very happy for you, too. I really am. Man. It's, you know, I, I, I love doing this show. I mean, God damn. So, uh, Ted Alexandro, uh, very uh, smart guy, good guy, earnest guy, bottom line, though, funny guy. Known him for a long time. Been wanting to talk to him. Always thought he kind of was, you know, weird with me. But it turns out, of course, he wasn't just me projecting onto him, who's not the same kind of boundaryless weirdo that I am, needy boundaryless weirdo. This is me talking to Ted Alexandro here in the garage. His stand-up special, Senior Class of Earth, is available through All Things Comedy. Go to atcspecials.com to buy or rent it. This is me and Ted Alexandro. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades, or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts so ted mm. i've not uh we did a live wtf how long ago was it do you know it you feels seem like a guy that would know i you know i don't I, oh I, really i'm gonna say seven or eight years right yeah and I don't know if I've seen you much since then. Is that right? Honestly, I don't know if we've seen each other at all since then. That's yeah. crazy, right? Well, it is kind of because, like, uh, you, you know, um, I think I'm. I, I don't think I'm of the generation you are. Am I? I think I'm the one before you. You are. Yeah, I would say the class ahead of me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, how old are you? I'm 49. I'll be 50 in January. Well, we're close. Yeah. Did you start late? Uh, well, I mean, 23. 
Wow. So we are, you were always like there and you're yeah. always being funny, but there was a, <laughs> there's a while there where I was like, he seems very intense, very serious. Oh, that, well, people still think that about me. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> you were right. The funny thing is like, I was just going over like, uh, like some of the stuff in your bio. Yeah. And uh, now I can't get the uh, the song "Working Class Hero" by John Lennon out of my head. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> why. Do worse than that. Yeah. I, don't know, yeah. I don't know why that happened exactly. Yeah. I think it was uh, uh, your, uh, the involvement in the, the involvement. Occupy. That'll get, that'll get you every time. Yeah. The involvement. Right? And then the the uh, you got us more money. Yeah, yeah. I remember that deli- that delicate time. You've already you've always been at the uh, spearhead uh, of the movement of getting us ten more dollars. Opening my mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I did. <laughs> Ten dollars adds up, though, right? No, no, it was more than that, wasn't it? Well, it w- initially it was ten. It was uh, it, initially it was. It went from fifty to sixty, I think, on the weekends, and then uh, we did it a second time, and we formed the Comedians Coalition. Right, and it was sort of like yeah, I remember, like, because I was there. What year was it? Yeah, that was uh, gosh, that was around that same time, maybe seven, eight years ago. Right, and yeah. and uh, there was like uh, there was a little divisive, like because you. People didn't want to like you know don't don't you don't want to upset Manny and Esty. Yes, you know no, you know it was so ridiculous. It was ridiculous because what were we really fighting? Like there was that there was actually a fight at all for another ten twelve dollars, and it became like oh. twenty five, right? It eventually became twenty five. Yeah, and and I think it's gone up once or twice since, like unprovoked by us, which is nice. Uh, so yeah, I mean. It was, you know, what it, what it stemmed from was yeah. these were conversations that we were having amongst ourselves all the time, right. saying like we're still making the same money we made in like you know since the eighties. I think it hadn't changed. Well, so. I don't think people realize either, like the regular person, like you know, when you do a spot like at the comedy store here or at the comedy cellar on a weekday on a showcase night. Yeah, I mean, I don't even remember what people. What were we making? Like fifteen bucks yeah. on on Monday through Thursday. That's right for a fifteen minute spot, yeah. and then on 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 Friday and Saturday it was originally fifty bucks. I think you're right. Yeah. So in order to make a living before you could really do the road, that was the thing about New York is that you had to figure out how to get into three or four clubs yeah. and then run around. Yes, and do like four or five spots at each. Just right. to walk out of the weekend with 400 bucks or whatever. And you know what's funny is my first like year or so that I was passed yeah. at the strip, the comic strip, right. I here's the mentality. I didn't even realize that you get paid. <laughs> so yeah. I was doing weekend spots at the, at the strip. Right. And walking out. And one day, like a year later, somebody stopped. I don't know if it was Vic Henley or somebody was like, oh, did you, did you sign for your money? And I was like, money? <laughs> So somebody was collecting my money for like a year. Maybe that's why I was getting booked. I don't know. You never got it back? I, no, I didn't say it. I mean, like a year had gone by where I was just like, I'm, I'm past doing, it the strip. You're doing free spots? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny that we make that assumption because there is something about you know being self-employed where for a long time you, you don't feel like you're really working. You yeah. Because you're sort of like, or it's not even that, it's before you realize you're self-employed. When you just want to be a comic. Right. Like the first time you get like twenty five dollars, you're like, oh my god, yes, this is amazing, absolutely, yeah, and and I think that's the mentality that kind of led to us all accepting that okay, as long as I'm in at this club and that club, that is really the goal, right? And then if I'm getting twenty bucks, th- that mentality was kind of baked into our thinking, and also that we just had stage time, legitimate stage time, right? All of which is important, yeah, because back then, like you know, like when did you start a I started uh, 92-ish and then right. 94 as a solo. I, at first, I was part of a duo uh, with my friend Hollis James. 
No kidding. Yeah. So like you know, back then there was no, there, the alt scene was not happening. No. No. And you know, if you wanted to get spots, you had to figure out a way how to get them yeah. at clubs. You know what's funny is the, the alt scene was almost like rooms that were worse than the clubs. Like going to like, you know, sure. Uncle Joey's in Staten Island or something yeah. like where yeah. it was not, it was alt, but alternatively bad. I, th- I think that arguably the they're still they 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 they're still worse than the clubs. Really, oh, I, yeah. I mean, like, well, alt comedy kind of saved my ass because it 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 gave me a, a venue to to sort of generate the way I generate, which is mm-hmm. you know through improvising the shit because mm-hmm. it's harder to do that at a club. But oh, there yeah. was a period though there where you're like, well, now we got to get into these places, yes. and then you're just talking to a dude. Yes, you know yes. what I mean. Like, hey man, can I do your room? It's like yes. no, no, no. You know, like who the fuck are you? You're yes. like, yes. <laughs> I passed at the strip in the cellar. Right. Yeah, well, we're not really doing anything. It was a concern. Yeah, it's it is fa- it's fascinating how things have evolved. Yeah, and again, like you being that class ahead of me, just just by a few years, you germinated like this whole other scene. Yeah, that and then I would say the storytelling scene was on the heels of that. All of these things that really uh, opened up comedy in a great way in, I our, think so. in, in our generation. Well, yeah. I think so. And ultimately what happened, though, which is weird, is that most of the guys that really sort of did that original alt thing, they were they were club comics. Yes. And then it sort of come back around. The difference now that's happened is that we don't have to rely on a comedy club to make a living because somehow because of you know uh where media is and also uh that most of us who started in clubs have you know come back around to clubs or we can do smaller theaters now yeah. you know without you know the all thing really just became uh part of the you know, your creative process you, know, you sure. don't have to stay there yeah i don't even know if it exists anymore now it's just it just seems that what the alt scene has become is that there's a lot more open mics yes yeah i would say that's that's true <laughs> in a lot of different places yeah and you'll see a lot of a lot of good comedy and a lot of bad comedy, at, whether you're at a, an yeah. alt club or a right. regular just, club. It's just like uh, open mics. It's the yeah. way it is. So wait, yeah. so we, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Queens. You did? Yeah. In, in Bel- Astoria? Bellrose, uh, which is maybe 30 minutes from Astoria, where I live now. Way out in Queens. Yeah, yeah. Like kind of the Queens-Long Island border. Uh-huh. Uh, grew up- Are you, is it Greek? No. On my dad's side, Italian. My mom's a mix of- English, French, oh, yeah. German, Irish. Yeah, and they, they were, were both New Yorkers. You know? Yeah? Yeah, they so met they, in Queens. They met in Queens? Yeah. Yeah, they met when they were like 14, 15 years old at a bowling alley. In, in Queens? In, Queen, in Belrose, where I grew up. And I grew up in the house that my mom grew up in. Wow. I'm one of five, uh, two brothers, two sisters. Really? Where and are you, in the middle? I am the second oldest. Yeah. Yeah, so w- we grew up in the house that my mom grew up in, and then- now my parents in their retirement are living in the house that my dad grew up in, so they're still. They're Where's still, it down the street? Uh, not quite, but yeah, it's maybe a couple miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happened in the old house? Um, they sold it to a young couple. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it like it turning into something out there? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> you mean like a regular young couple, just, not a you know, hipster young couple? There's I don't. A, no, it's not that kind of thing. It's no, just a young, yeah. uh, like a struggling young couple. <laughs> So there's Is five there of you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's five of us. Yeah, we were all kind of uh, artistic. You know, my my brother's a poet. Uh, all of us acted in- A working school. poet? Well, <laughs> is there mean? such a thing? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's working in terms of writing all the time. But is he yeah. teaching or anything? Is he? You know, he he's a peer to peer counselor at a mental hospital. Um, you know, he's uh, he's bipolar, so he's kind of uh, his whole life. Uh, he's my older brother, so he um, it's him then me, my brother Dave, uh, my sisters. sisters, yeah, two sisters. So. Uh, so my brother, yeah, Rich was like a real inspiration because he dealt with his, uh, you know, his bipolar and... Well, that's our, I, think, I think that's our first presidential alert. There we go, huh? Is it? Yes. What's going on? This is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. Wow. I bet you got one. Did you get I one? I shut my phone off. Did you? Apparently not. <laughs> Just see if you got one. It's kind check. of a creepy totalitarian uh, uh, yeah. thing. I, you know, even if I did, I think I shut those things off unless you can't opt out. I got to opt out of that. Like, now I got Trump texting me? <laughs> exactly. That's all I fucking needed. You know? What the fuck? Uh, that, that's like creepy, man. So what does it exactly say? That it, it's a it's, test of- This is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action is needed. Presidential alert. That's gross. Dude, no. it's fucking crazy. So oh my god! Presidential alert: No action is needed. I just want you to just, know that I have access to your phone. Yeah, that. Like, oh wait, it is. It is. It's now, something. Now it is. There it is. Yeah, it just came through. This is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action needed. What the fuck is happening? And my phone is vibrating. Wow. Well, I'm glad we shared that. That's creepy, dude. Yeah. Like now, what he's going to be texting us? Apparently. Hey, sad guy. Like the Twitter is not enough. Twitter's not enough. Now he's got to fucking. Now we're gonna wake up in the middle of the night. Just kidding. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Disturbing. So, so you're. It is. Just, the whole thing is disturbing. Uh, Everything's disturbing. It is. And we're all at each other's throats because of this fucking monster. Yes. Um. So you, oh, your brother's bipolar. That's something you got in your family. Yeah. Yeah. My mom as well had really? struggled. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know. Thankfully, they both really uh, have had this kind of journey to wellness and to managing. Uh, and they're doing all right. They're huh? doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Mom is a retired teacher, and she's been great for you know probably like I don't know twenty five years. They just so. figured out the medicine. They figured out the medicine. The whole kind of comprehensive lifestyle. Really. Diet, exercise, meditation, therapy. All the really. You know, all the, they're yeah. doing all of it and, yeah. and they're managing pretty well they're doing well and my brother rich you know uh he's a real inspiration now he's a peer-to-peer -peer counselor right with people who are hospitalized or outpatients wow um, and yeah uh and as a poet too i think he has that he just has a real knack for you know i think he's like a flesh and blood example to them like look you can you know he's like i used oh, yeah, to be, i used great. to be in this hospital yeah it's great you it's know? like it's like uh like drug addicts talking to drug addicts but like but sure. bipolar is like you know, my old man's got depression problems, and like you know, if the, the problem usually is that they they like you know the the high so much that they don't they don't uh, take the medicine. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think my brother Rich struggled with that. Went through that. Yeah, yeah like, the thing of like I feel alive. Yeah, yeah. Does he publish his poetry? Yes, he has a book out. That's great. Yeah. And what and what are your uh, what's the other ones do? My brother Dave is a. Um, uh, statistical anal uh, analysis yeah. for uh, state Connecticut uh, state statistical of analyst yeah oh that's interesting yeah. I guess used, uh, yeah. to, used to be a t really smart math guy oh he's know? a math guy yeah he um, was a teacher he was a, a teacher at an all girls school for and coached and yeah. did all that for many years but what the girls do what the sisters do my sister Trish is an actress really yeah yeah she's doing all right with yeah that? yeah she's doing you know like uh, she's acting writing her own stuff putting up shows uh, and doing personal training in the day you know so she's yeah. got both gigs going 
She's great though. Yeah. And, uh, and my sister Amy is, uh, she's, uh, into like astrology. She's an astrologer. She does like readings and stuff like really? this and works at a school during the day. Yeah. What'd she do at the school? She's like an executive assistant secretary kind of thing. Yeah. It's sort of interesting yeah. that you got all these creative teaching, you know, people that are, you know, doing things for other people, somewhat selfless. So your mother was a teacher? My mother and father were both teachers. They were both teachers. Yeah. So, and so, I, t- I taught for five years when I first I, got no, out I of remember, school. I remember when you started doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like you were doing the, uh, I was a teacher thing. I was, that was the whole shtick, yeah. yeah. And like Todd Berry was, I was a substitute teacher thing. <laughs> That's right. So you, That's right. Took it, you took it a little further. I was more committed, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so they were always sort of, uh, your parents always supportive, embracing, uh, you know, whatever the kid's imagination would let them do my parents were very supportive they were kind of hippies you know like oh, they were yeah yeah you know it's funny my earliest childhood memories are in india we lived in india for a year when i was about four or five years old really yeah yeah my parents for a y- whole year yeah yeah my parents were teaching over there and uh so yeah it was the three boys yeah at the time i was about five and uh yeah my earliest childhood memories are our house in india so have yeah, you my, been back? No, my mom and dad just went back for the first time in forty years. Yeah. Just to visit? Yeah, they were invited back by some friends who I guess they they were over there with. Wow! And uh, so they had like a big kind of celebration. Uh, but yeah, to your to your point, yeah, my mom and dad uh, are just yeah they're very um, supportive, loving people in general. Yeah, for all five of us, uh, they're kind of like a bedrock of just yeah they're they're. Loving, but not in an obtrusive way. They can be as obtrusive as you need them to be. So you're saying you had good parents. I did. I did. <laughs> and, you, and you seem like a, a guy that did. I'm grateful. Yeah, no, I did. I did for sure. You're very, uh, you know, practically, uh, practical and decent man. Well, thank you, sir. That's how you always struck me. Thank you. Thank Other you. times I just thought you didn't like me. But that, <laughs> that was my... Which is funny because, you know, I was saying when when I came in uh, and we said we would talk here, the, I think the only, my most memorable... T- memorable experience yeah. working with you yeah. was we worked <laughs> you don't have to be worried we worked at Cobbs together <laughs> in San Francisco face, I got a worried face yeah which we, the old Cobbs like down in the cannery the old Cobbs not the big old uh, horrible Cobbs but the original no, uh, the original one yeah 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 and uh, I was excited to work with you because you were like a headliner you were like a, an established guy and it was like fun to watch you work yeah. the whole time because you work differently than most people that I worked with and like you said earlier like kind of thinking through stuff on stage so, uh, yeah, it was exciting, but yeah, it's like you, you did have that energy of like, uh, do you like me? Do you not like, what, what's your deal? Like, so, you know, like you know, there was a whole like, yeah, like you couldn't trust couldn't, me to just like, yeah, we're just, uh, yeah, I'm I just a dude you. and we're working together. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, have a hard time with, uh, with, uh, people with actual boundaries and <laughs> that are sort of grounded. I'm like, I don't seem to be fucking with you at all. Like, like I don't, I'm projecting a lot onto you and I, I don't think you, like I couldn't, I couldn't read it. I wasn't working with you. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm trying to remember that. I'm trying to remember that week. Things are starting to fade. Well, your your wife at the time was working with us as well. Uh, Mishnah. Mishnah was opening. I was middling. No shit. Yeah, yeah. So it was the three of us. Wow. Yeah. So I must have come up from here mm-hmm. uh, to go do that. Yeah. And did you know her? Did you know her when we started? Um, w- I think we had met like in right. New York, but I didn't know her well. I knew you a little bit better, right. but I didn't know you that well either. You know, I feel like I remember when you like started doing it. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so how do you get from? Was it just like when I, I've met 
there's several people that I've talked to in here, creative people whose parents were were teachers. Yeah. And, uh, and and that seems to to read that you know that teachers are sort of embrace you know uh, someone's you know desire to do what they want to do, and, and, but also to uh, you know be practical about it on some level. But mm-hmm. it seems like that two of you guys, or three in in a way, having or four even having got involved with schools and with teaching. Sure, was that is that just something you? I mean, you, obviously, your parents were like, "You shouldn't. You should be teachers." But you <laughs> right. you gravitated towards that. It just felt like a the right thing to do, or something you wanted to do. What was that? I would say that. Uh, well, what's what's interesting is none of us are doing what we got our degrees in. You know, which is well for me, it was elementary education. It, it was actual elementary education. You're I like, had to do them. I had studied jazz piano. That was my initial you major. Still play. No, I mean like here and there. Like right. I just I have an apartment, so occasionally I'll take the keyboard out, but it's very rare. But you must have what you grew up taking lessons. Yes, you grew up taking lessons. Played a lot until I was in college, you know. And then well, you really, must have been serious. I was serious up until about age twenty when I just kind of realized like I'm not a jazz pianist. Like I, I was surrounded by these people who were so talented, and I'm like, nah, this is I'm. You know when you're like struggling too much. Well, to make yeah, something it's, happen. Right, it's not natural. It's and not natural. You just see a dude that just goes out there like, you know, like a monk style with yeah. three notes and you're like, well, what the yeah. fuck was that? Yes, How exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like a language that I'm not fluent in. Right, you know? yeah, yeah. So that was like depressing, but I just made my shift into uh, you know education at that point just as like, I guess I got to do something. So, But I was also doing stuff in the theater department um, just on a whim. I would audition for shows. Then started doing some stand up, yeah. you know, as part of a duo. Uh, so in yeah, college, in college, yeah. But you, and my parents were were supportive. They were always, I think, they had that blend of like, yeah, of course we support anything you want to try to do. Yeah. But there was, I, and I think it's probably just hardwired in me too of like, I I want to make sure I'm t- taking care of, you know, I want to pay my bills. And, right. So I was. I was teaching, I was like substitute teaching initially. Yeah. And then I just got hired full time to be a music teacher. So I did that for five years. Wow. It's just like, I don't, uh, like the paying the bills thing, it's just sort of weird when I think back on, you know, pursuing what we do. It, it's it's really sort of crazy. But I, I like that you, because a teacher is not a big money gig. No. <laughs> and But you must have thought, like, you must get some joy out of, out of doing it, out of, helping kids yeah I, I love i loved it in the sense of helping kids introducing them to the arts um, that was it huh so your music i was a music teacher i also did the plays with them so we'd for, put up like sound of music or whatever. really for elementary for elementary yeah yeah we had a pretty good department our principal was very supportive so yeah we kind of <laughs> had carte blanche to to do what we wanted you were the artsy guy i was the artsy guy luckily had a couple other people that i could uh collaborate yeah. with right um so yeah it was it was like and you know the thing that I think wound up uh, inadvertently helping me yeah. was your public speaking. You know, I was in front of like a hundred kids, yeah, because they crammed a lot of kids together, so yeah. it would be like three classes at once, right? So I was speaking for the music f- stuff, yeah, 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 because of budget cuts, you'd get a bunch of kids at once. So I would be speaking in front of like a hundred kids, two hundred kids. So on some level, without realizing it, you're kind of sharpening your 
public speaking, yeah. you're like just keeping people's attention, all that yeah, stuff. You know? And if they're kids, you're really, you got to, got to, got to go over the top to you, keep that attention. Absolutely do. Yeah. And, and on yeah. some like second shows on a Saturday. For sure. That's going to come in handy. Oh man. How's everybody doing? <laughs> that's right. It was the same, <laughs> like, let me go really big, you know, really loud. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get that. That's a good, uh, those are good chops to have. For sure. For, for that, sure. Uh, for the drunkie show. Yes. Yeah. It helped. But I just like I mean working with kids like I I I can't imagine like for me like just thinking about it there's got to be just this sort of this uh, this beautiful bittersweet thing because at that age in elementary school they're they're already sort of defined so like right so like you're seeing yeah. these personalities and how they're engaging with each other and you there's got to be every day you're just like oh that guy that kid's gonna be trouble or uh, that kid's gonna have a hard time yes or that, like just like every day sort of like it's just so because they're so brutal well yeah you I'd, can project you see like the little version right and you kind of can project like all right I see where this is going and it's yeah. not good yeah yeah. Or, I or was either. the guy that guy made cry. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a lot of that, and uh, but yeah, it's it, it's interesting too because I was K through five uh-huh. as, as a music teacher. I had the whole the whole school. Oh yeah. So it was that thing of like the kindergarten kids are, are babies. You know, yeah, they're right. they're just they're yeah yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable that they're even out of their homes. You yeah know? right. And then the fifth graders are like what you're saying. You're you're kind of seeing like the, <laughs> the seeds monsters of, happen. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. The disruptive ones, the ones that have no interest in what you're doing. Yep. And then the the fragile ones that are trying to get you to like, please you. And then they get shit from the one that's like, yeah, what are you doing? You're kissing the teacher's ass. (laughs) And it's it's queens on top of it. So you got a full range of fucking... Every psycho yeah. kids, yeah, yeah. It was it was like the UN, really. It was it was kids from oh, all over. Oh, I bet that's right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget that about Queens. It's like the most diverse place in the fucking in world. The world, yeah. Is yeah. it though? Actually, it uh, it I is. I think it, it's one of them. It Queens County, if I'm not mistaken, is the most diverse place in the world. I couldn't believe it. Like when I lived in Astoria, and like I, I remember because you moved there after me. Yeah. Like I was, I was long. I was there with long. I don't even know where it's at now. But like when I was there, it's like as, as Brooklyn was getting hip, and I don't know nothing about Brooklyn. Zero. I, I don't have any concept of Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. I, but like people were like, "Is Queens starting to happen?" I'm like, "Queens is not going to happen. It's happening. It, uh, that's I Astoria is happening. Yeah, Astoria is hip. It's like restaurants, bars." A lot of the old mom and pop things are gone, and it's like, yeah, it's, really, yeah, it's because I was there for. I had that apartment for like a decade or more. There right. just seemed to be a style to Queens that was eclectic and, and international, but it, it did not seem movable. Well, the thing about a story that I think made it movable was all of the Greek people that primarily owned everything, right? realized oh we can cash in because all of the people that are getting priced out of manhattan or brooklyn so yeah that's how that's what happened now it's like an equal balance of like it's still a greek neighborhood but then i think they they made money on bringing in the hipsters but I like I was always fascinated that like you know you get off the train I used to get off at thirtieth mm-hmm. right so there was just those vegetable markets there was two almost identical vegetable markets <laughs> yes, yes but at all hours there was like yes. uh, like like Muslim families Greek like just families from other countries shopping with young children at two in the morning that's I'm like right. that's was, right it's like what what they don't sleep they when don't do they close get? yeah it's true it's but true. like why are the kids out yeah no and then they you get... start to realize well people parent differently in different <laughs> places <you know? laughs> that's right. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, they were like on a night shift. The kids yeah. were like yeah, doing they, the opposite. It's I don't I I just it was always exciting to me because yeah. like almost at any hour there was just people like looking at vegetables. I'm like it's like I'm, I just got done working. It's one thirty. What are you? Yes, people looking at vegetables that like I don't even know what the vegetables are sometimes. And, and the vegetables would be arriving at all different hours yeah. of the day too. I really got it. I really uh, sort of I dug it. So so you're teaching. And yeah. you you decide for five years you did this. I did this for five years. So you had insurance. You were in. Yeah. You know, it looked like a lifetime thing. No, no, no. Never. I never, I never considered it lifetime because I was doing more and more stand up with and, a guy. Well, initially the first two years with a guy, but then I broke off and kind of like you know he was kind of doing his own like writing and stuff, and I was more and more starting to do it solo. How'd you meet that guy? Queens College when, uh, when I was studying education there. Uh, once I, I went to CC, real Queens guy. Well, I went to CCNY in Manhattan uh, yeah. for the jazz piano thing. Right. But when that didn't work out, I transferred to Queens. That must have been heartbreaking. Just sort of like I'm going to be a musician, and then you get there when you see all these kind of savants and weirdos. And- I was pretty crestfallen. I was like, <laughs> I guess I'm just going to be a teacher <laughs> in Queens. You know, do, it's do like. You, do you remember the moment of watching someone else play piano where you're like, well, I do. You do? I do. I distinctly remember. I, I, two things I remember. One was there was a guy in my class yeah. who had like the longest fingers I'd ever seen. Right. First off. They were like spider, just like so long, spindly. Yeah. And he was pl- playing like a monk tune. And, and it was so like simultaneously beautiful and heartbreaking because he was like saying to me, you'll never be able to do this. <laughs> That's how it was registering. It was like, wow, he's so talented and I'm never going to be able to do that. So that was, yeah, that was one moment that really resonated. Another was uh, Ron Carter, the uh, legendary bass player with uh, Miles Davis and Herbie yeah. Hancock. He was the uh, head of the jazz department at CCNY. So you had to play in front of him yeah. for your jury, they called it, at the end of the semester. So I played in front of him and yeah. a few other professors. Yeah. And it was fine, but I just felt so nervous and so, again, like that feeling of like, this isn't coming naturally. This isn't what I'm meant to do. Uh, yeah. So playing in front of Ron Carter, again, was thrilling, but also an affirmation of like, I should, Ron Carter shouldn't have to be listening to me. <laughs> oh, know? yeah. Yeah. But did you feel like, because like expression is weird, you, you, you know, in terms of like what you choose to do for your creative expression. And it seems that the requirements, you know, for getting your craft in place as a pianist and then as a jazz pianist and then to be able to journey out. Oh, yeah. It's, like, it's you know, years, yeah. Well, it's, I, it's years, but it's also a, a disposition. It's sort of yeah. like, can I let myself, am I going to have that freedom yes. of of expression mm-hmm. that I want? And mm-hmm. if he, and I guess some of it's natural. Like my brother was a tennis player when he really, he knew early on that he was going to have to work twice as hard because he just didn't have the natural ability. Right. Is it the same with piano? Well, you know what it is, is like, I think for us as comics, I think we have the ability to do what you just said in terms of stand-up. I didn't have that ability with the piano. I was was fine. Like, I played, I was always like the guy who played piano up until high school, even into college. Yeah. You know, I could play the piano, but I was not a professional. Like, there was levels that I knew were You couldn't make it your own. Couldn't make it my own, yeah, which yeah. is what I wanted to do. I wanted right. something to be right. my expression. Well, it's sort of like, but you know, you're right, though, that if you, I don't know how you you generate comedy, but I watched that thing you did about Louis because that got around, got you some juice. That got around. <laughs> but like, what I noticed about it more than, you know, what was being said was that, was that the first time you did it? 
it, it the one was, that it, uh, the tape that got out it was maybe uh among the f- I, I did it all that week that he came back so maybe it was like the fifth time i had done but it. like because there was a uh, like you know th- that was one of those things where you know sadly you know in our game mm-hmm. in our racket that you you know when you're going to choose you know even somebody who's disgraced mm-hmm. you're going to choose to kind of like use him as a point of reference mm-hmm. to make a broader point mm-hmm. uh but like you know i saw that just talking about jazz where you, you're choosing your beats like you know you're you're moving slower that's right your weight because you, you you know you're, it's fin- a, you're finding it in right yeah. right and then like you know how is it going to not just be a fuck you louie thing oh, absolutely yeah. you know and, and and the bigger piece about yeah. culture yeah. and you know like but i saw you deliberating yeah and it was nice it's a nice timing but there that's that freedom is that that's what we've earned after a decade or two of yeah. doing this is that like i'm going to go out there mm-hmm. and i'm going to see you know where this goes because yeah. with what we do after a certain point thankfully if it's not working mm-hmm. you can sort of like i can get out of this that's right and you literally said that and it was working mm-hmm. yeah, especially the I, women were very excited you know mm-hmm. but i don't know what the experience was because i know that room but i know that like there must have been some people that were kind of like whoa it's kind of yeah, yeah, it was a mixed bag, you know. Right. Uh, I think deliberate is the is the right word in general. Deliberating whether or not to do the stuff, right? Deliberating whether or not to put it out, right? But it, like I said in the in the piece, it's things that I was thinking a lot about and talking a lot it, about, right? And, and with this kind of stuff, I'm finding it for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, you do think about it a lot, and then mm-hmm. there comes that point where you're like, "Why? How do I make this funny?" And, right. and and not spiteful or self-righteous. Absolutely. Yeah, it has to be funny. And and for me, that was the important thing of doing it and, and further for sharing it. Because like you said, I to me, it was more of a macro statement right. on all of these things. It's not specifically, like some of the pieces that came out were like comedian slams Louis or whatever. Right. To me, that's not, that's not the point. That's it, clickbait. It's a, yeah, it's a macro discussion right. about all of it. So. To me, that was what merited, like, all right, let me share this, even though it is, like, I'm a little ambivalent about putting it out, but it was material I was doing on stage. I was doing it on that stage in particular yeah, uh, that week. Yeah. So, to me, it felt like, all right, let me make this part of the conversation if it, yeah. ha- no, if it I helps. Thought, I was happy about it. I was happy for you because, like, there, like, what you realize in our world, not unlike in Trump world in general, mm-hmm. That it's not, it's not even a loyalty thing, mm. but the fear of, of cultural reprisal, yeah, you know, from your peers or from a, a, a contingent in the audience, right, is stifling. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, when you're when you're thinking about things like that that mm-hmm. are, are um, going to be provocative, sure, you know, you have to you know be willing to shoulder that. That's right. And that's part of your process. Well, and that doesn't just happen that week. You know, right. like that happens because I've been working at the cellar for a long yeah. time. That happens because I've been working in the style that you're yeah. alluding to yeah. for a long time. And that was something that evolved too. Like, uh, I think it's actually the style that you work in. Like, that became part of my process later. Uh-huh. I was more heavily written in the early going of my right. career. But then as I got older, I could do more thinking on my feet, go up with ideas, right. kind of flesh them That's out. That's the best. Yeah. That's the jazz part. Absolutely. There's, so, yeah. So I think the, the, the piece does, it does show that like, you know, it has comedic merit too, which was important to me you know, right. to show like the evolution of things that are happening right now. And, you yeah. know, usually if you see somebody do a set on Conan or whatever, it's stuff that's like done. And yeah, you got four and a half minutes. You know all the it's beats. It's all tight, right? right? Yeah. Right. So this to me was like, yeah, it showed it showed that process. Well, yeah, but, but also it was sort of like, um, 
that we live in a culture right now that there there are you know people do pick sides it's very divisive on a lot of levels mm -hmm. and there is this sort of you, you know the the thing i liked about that bit was that you were like what what are we yearning for you know what what is it that it used to be mm -hmm. that is that can be seen as better mm. Do you know, like, what was that freedom mm -hmm. or was it really just, you know, utter insensitivity? That's right. Right? That's right. You know, well, like and- The PC culture. Can, right. Yeah, just living in the, this type of world or that type of world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we're talking about kind of basic decency on a lot of levels. That's right. And yeah. like a lot, of, a lot of like people who, you know, kind of still use that sort of thing. Everything's too PC, it's too PC. Look- there are limits to everything, mm -hmm. but like in terms of, of decency, in terms of like, you know, we got past the word Chinaman eventually. You know <laughs> what I mean? We don't call, you know, African-Americans or black people colored people anymore. There mm -hmm. is an evolution that happens culturally That's that right. happens because it's out of decency yeah. and respect. Well, anytime I think you're railing against what the new progress is, yeah. you're going to be on the wrong side of history. If you're railing against Me Too or if you're railing against women having a voice, yeah. you know, and all of which is really tied to social media too right like yeah people oh boy a, well that's that's the, that that might be a, a problem well i mean y yes and no no but, social media in a sense yeah doesn't let much uh there's no air there's no there's no breath you know there's no sort of like wait a, uh it's over oh yeah yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely complications yeah. to, to weigh all, all the way all of that works but i do think like uh, when when voices get through mm -hmm. on a mass level, whether it's Me Too yeah. or you know Black Lives Matter, just realizing an epiphany for the the mass culture of like, yeah. oh wow, this is this is way this is worse happening. than I real yeah. than right. I realized. Things yeah. that I was not aware of. That's true. You know, that's so. true. Yeah, no, definitely. But yeah, I, but I thought it was funny. I thought it was you know it was it was decent. You know, you know, cultural and and you know and social sat. It's not even satire, but it's just it's a responsibility of a comic who's awake. To sort of address these things, however they're going to do it, Thanks. and and I think that you know how and I think that's one of the big reasons why you know people are outside of being upset with Louis' transgressions, they're upset that like he didn't confront, like the, that he's the guy, mm -hmm. so he's going to come back and then not talk about it. I think yeah, that, that's a big component of of the kind of firestorm that's touched off is like. You came back after this period of time, and yeah, you're the you're the one of the truth guys. So right. tell right. the truth, tell the personal truth of it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it is. It is. It's, that's a whole other thing, though. That's not really what you were talking about. It was just the idea that you know, like, hey, he just did this. It's like, yeah, but right. <laughs> that's bad. That's bad. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So, like, to me. Um, yeah, it is. It's that hard thing, but but also again, like artistically or comedically, if, right. if this is what I do all the time, and again, that was the impetus for ultimately sharing it. After I talked to fellow comics right. about it, and you know, kind of trusted confidants. Um, yeah. Before the, doing it, you mean? No, no. Before putting it out. Right. That's oh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. had I had been doing it for like especially that 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 yeah. full week. Yeah. Um, and it w again, it's the kind of thing that has a shelf life. I, 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 that's not the kind of material that I want to be doing. Well, every that was night. the other thing I wanted to point to is yeah. that, you know, in terms of like what we do and, and, you know, when we do something that requires a, a, 
a certain amount of risk taking and you're conscious of it mm-hmm. that you know at the end of it you said okay I'm going to do my act now like you know yeah. you're like this this had to be said yeah. and now I'm going to do you know, my other thing yeah. yeah well it's funny because you know working that week uh, the response was interesting from other comics and really I mean, like what yeah like just people saying like oh man that's that's heavy like you, like that's really good stuff or that you know uh yeah, you know, has Noam seen you do that? The owner has Noam seen you do that? Did he or, see you? Yeah, yeah, he did. And, and we had plenty of conversations. You and Noam? Yeah, that whole week we had conversations. So because it, you were doing it? Uh, well, just about the fact that Louis had come back. Right. And, and then the fact- What, at the table, a lot of people were talking about it or just you and no, Noam? No, this was just the two uh-huh. of us. Yeah. And um, what was the nature of those conversations? Well, just like, you know, kind of expressing some concerns about- the way that he had come back, you know, yeah. just like you had show, showing up. Yeah. Just yeah. saying like for our, for our workspace, you know, yeah. like maybe it requires further examination. Uh-huh. That's, that was really the extent of it. Just saying like, you know, this is, this is your club. And, and uh-huh. what kind of environment do we want to have? That's, you know, safe for women, safe for women, patrons, uh-huh. safe for all of us, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, just those kind of, and to Noam's credit, very open to it, very, uh, you know, we have a great relationship as far as dis- I have no hesitancy to bring sure. up anything to him. I have. I really wonder what all this. What would I really wonder what it would have been like if his father was still alive, if if you Manny know, was still around, if Noam's dad was around, and this was happening with his intellectualization of of uh, politics and his. Uh, y- you know, I wonder what it would have been like. You would know better than me because I wasn't there a whole lot during the Manny era. Yeah. You know? No, was, I'm just curious. Yeah, because Noam seems like a you know, a, a, a bright guy and definitely a guy that will engage and, and weigh stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes to a fault, like where I, I think, you know, initially he was taking it from kind of strictly a free speech point of view. Right. But, uh, you know, it, this is more, I think it's more complicated than that, so... But anyway, yeah, ultimately, I kind of just wanted to put that piece out. Um, and and he, ultimately, he said to you, what was the... I let him know about that as well. I, I didn't I didn't want him to be surprised, like, you know. And, and what, you know, you know at, once you got past the free speech defense, you know, where, where did he land on it with you? Well, yeah, I think he kind of, uh, and I'm sure it's like evolving day to day where he stands on it. But uh, I think at that point, he said, like, you know, I think... Uh, we can put people on stage and the audience can choose to stay or leave or whatever. And, uh, you know, so I said, well, you know, it's your, it's your club and obviously, but I just felt compelled and, and it's, it's difficult because I think, especially at the cellar or or any club that you're in, especially like depending on where you're at, you don't want to compromise that relationship. Right. But I, Luckily, don't feel as though I I'm in that territory with Gnome that you know, and I don't think I would care either way. Like I'm gonna say it regardless. It's an interesting thing because this is a micro of sort of the the macro of what's happening, you know, politically, you know, in 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 Washington in general. Not that you know we're gonna sit here and say you know what wonderful men these Republicans would be, you know, if uh, if Trump weren't there because they proved to be cowards and craven cowards. But Mm. but what's a risk even on a on a micro level as a comedy club is like I don't want to lose my job. Yeah, sure. I don't want to have you know I don't want to be a pariah. Sure. Because you know I I'm you know speaking out. But yeah, you know, it's, it's always easier to, to stay quiet, right, or, or not pick a side. So you can kind of... But not ev- if you're a guy that talks about shit. That's right. 
That's right. Yeah. And so, yeah, for me, it was like, um, again, I wanted to kind of, since I was doing it on stage, yeah. I felt as though, you know, I'm not going to save this for my next special or whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm going to just put this out because it's relevant now with the Kavanaugh stuff. Yeah. I think Cosby had just been convicted right. that day. Yeah. So I was like, you know, this is kind of the time to... Um, you know, just put it out, be part of that discussion. And how did you put it out? How did you choose? I just it? put it on, on YouTube. Oh, and, oh, oh, that was it. And then let it have its own life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then just start like, you know, like I think like 10 different outlets wrote like little articles on it. Yeah. And like, um, because like by by nature, you, I mean, you do self-referential stuff and your comedy is not specifically political or, you know. It's, it's like 50-50, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, like the special that I'm putting out now is is like half of it is about my marriage uh, at the time, my upcoming, but now, you know, we're yeah. married. Um, and the other half is kind of socio-political, talking about the world yeah. and politics and yeah, so it's half and half. Now, when it, it you know looking at the history of you, you, you know, in terms of your involvement with uh, you know getting you know a better pay for comics and and also uh, your involvement with the Occupy movement and this type of stuff, and that you feel you have a a heavy social conscience, you know, uh, that I I think a lot of us do, mm-hmm. um, but you know you seem to be you know you take action. And I'm not saying on stage necessarily, but you have this, you know, something needs to be done about this. Mm. You know, Where did that come from? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I, maybe from my parents a little bit. Um, maybe just partially, again, who, who I am. Yeah. Um, but I think like when I'm really compelled by something, you know, it's not like a calculated thing. Uh, yeah. When I'm really compelled to think about a topic or to engage with, as far as if it's going to make it into my act, yeah. I think... For me, it has to be funny. I don't want it to go into dogma or right. Like, for me, like I, I think it has to have comedic merit that I find a way to say it. That's re- regardless of how you feel about the yeah. issue, you can be like, "That's funny. That's well done." Yeah. Um, but in life, as far as getting involved, like with the the organizing with comedians for a pay raise or the Occupy stuff, it was more like stuff that I was again thinking a lot about, frustrated about, and just like found myself there you know yeah. it's not uh pre predetermined of like this is what i need to well, do well yeah but you're certainly uh, wasn't career motivated no right you know? but but yeah. you're a guy that's like you know I, i'm 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 there i'm doing this mm-hmm. where where like a lot of us are sort of like well it's uh, you know yeah, i'm with him that guy's doing it though so <laughs> you know what i mean and then when you show up and go will you sign this thing like yeah yeah i'm glad you're out there doing it I mean, <laughs> There was a lot of that. Yeah. Like, All right. Yeah. yeah where do we sign? Yeah. You know? there's, those are the two kinds of people. <laughs> I'm glad someone's out there doing that. I'm, I'm behind him 100%, but I got things to do over here. Yeah. And yeah. I don't like, how long's the how long's the march going to take? <laughs> right. <laughs> how many steps? Yeah. Where is, is it? it? Yeah. Yeah, what yeah. day? I don't know. My, my special is called Senior Class of Earth because it does have this impending feeling of like where the, we could be the last ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the special deals a lot with those types of topics. Yeah. And again, more macro, not just like doing Trump jokes or whatever. Just, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've been doing it myself. Like I literally say, uh, you know, um, yeah, the, the world is ending and I, I know like, uh, you know, when we were kids, you watch that scary science documentary and you ask your parents, is the world going to end? They're like, not for a million years. I'm like, I think we're going to see it. I think, I think we're going to get in under the wire. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're there. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, we're getting the alerts and, on our phone. Yeah, you know? That's right. Yeah. And we're all a little complicit. I don't, I, you know, do we do all we could? Well, you know? that, yeah. Well, that's the point, right? That's yeah. kind of like w- what you were just saying is like, 
and I don't blame any. See, I I don't blame anyone for checking out. I really don't. Like, it is so heavy, and we do have so much on our plates. And depending on where you're at in your own life, you might just like. Sometimes you just want to like close the curtains and, and you know just do your own thing. But, but I also think like on another level, like you know maybe it's a rationalization in the way I think about it. But there, there, you know, there is there was always this assumed luxury afforded to us because we were Americans. That mm-hmm. you know, like this was a country where we could do what we wanted to do, and many of us did. Yeah. So when it came to sort of like you know once people detached from their civic responsibility, you know, e- even if it's as simple as just voting, right? You know, then it was sort of like, well, you don't have an understanding of how the framework of this thing has to function. Yeah. And now, like, everybody has an understanding, but it's completely tribalistic. Yeah. You know, now it's like, oh, fuck. You know, like, well, what have you been doing for the last 30 years? You know, they've been mobilized and chipping away at the state you know, governments, and yeah. we've been, what, getting our core tighter and being mindful <laughs> of ourselves and working on me? Being, yeah, that's what we, Being in the now. It is apathy, but I, I think it's sort of like, well, it, it's still an American thing. Well, it's almost like with atheism, too, is like, I, I can't, uh, I can't like, uh, brush people who don't vote with one, with right. one brush, because I'm sure, you know, there's very bright people who don't vote. There's, you know, so like- You can uh, brush them with me. I mean, what's what's the analogy to atheism the analogy being that like the caricature of an atheist is that they're like you know um that they don't have some sort of moral core or they haven't thought it through they they, they don't have some moral center yeah uh that they're, or they're just they're, they're, god, they're these godless you right know, right heathens or whatever right when in fact a lot of atheists that are like just the most decent people you know sure so people who don't vote i think it runs the spectrum is what i'm saying people who don't vote you could have people that just don't take their civil uh responsibility seriously That's and i right. think you could also have people that really think it through to the point where they're like i genuinely don't believe this matters well those people you can brush with one stroke and they should vote <laughs> uh, yeah no I, I, I would agree with you personally I would agree with you yeah you know the thing about like uh, atheists is that they're, they're I think the other the the, 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 the ones that don't get uh, characterized that often are the people that like you know I, I've said it on stage before it's like it's not that I don't believe in God I just don't give a shit <laughs> right right <laughs> It's just not part of my brain. Like, yeah. I'm not craving it. Yeah. I don't feel an, an absence necessarily unless yeah. I, I buy into the spiritual dogma. Yes. You know, I'm not saying my life is perfect and, you know, I fill my god hole with, you know, caffeine and nicotine <laughs> occasionally and whatever is necessary. You but, could do worse. Yeah. yeah. But who called it a god hole anyways? Maybe that's just being a person, <laughs> being awake. Sure. But, uh, but now we're getting uh, intellectual about it. But when you started... So the team bit, and I'm, I, I hope you're not mad that I didn't watch the, the whole special. Yet. No, no, of course yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. No. You, there's, what am clips, I uh, there's clips online for people that, yeah, there's a little little. Is this the first big special? Well, you know, it's interesting because I've put out three. This is the third, and I've self-produced all three of them. So I've kind of done this DIY thing. Yeah. Um, but with this one, what came about was a relationship with Bill Burr yeah. and Al Madrigal. They have a company, All Things Comedy, yeah. that up until now has primarily been a, a podcast network. Right. But in now talk- they got the production deal. They're well, big time now. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I know I got a I got a text from Al. It's like, well, Ted's in town. Like I'm like, wow, Al's a he's doing the Over he's the producer guy. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So yeah, so it was kind of like after I shot this, you know, I had put my own money into it. Shot it at the Village Underground, the, the Sellers cl- Second Club, and then was kind of wondering where am I going to distribute this? You know, like I, I wanted it obviously to be seen by yeah. more people, right? 
so just uh, coincidentally had a conversation with Al and he said, we're starting to distribute specials. So for me, it was like comedian owned company, you know, like supporting the artist directly, yeah. you know, that whole thing, it all jibed with your, of, your sensibility. Yeah. So when you started doing comedy, like it was, what was the team thing? The team thing was just, I think it was in that period of, okay, I'm not a jazz pianist. I'm an education major. Uh, what am I going to, I, I still want to be in the arts. What, what am I going to do creatively? So I was trying out for the plays that they had there, just started hanging out with the theater department at Queens College. Yeah. Met this guy, Hollis James. Really funny guy. He was putting up shows every semester, kind of SNL style or yeah. Monty Python sketch, stuff. Sketch stuff. Sketch stuff. And uh, showed him some stuff that I had written, and he was like, yeah, this is really great. We're going to put this in the show. And that, for me, was the epiphany of, wow, I wrote, he likes something I wrote, and we put it up. And, yeah. You know, so that was like the spark of like, seeing the the seed of you know writing and then putting it up yeah oh yeah yeah it's like hey they're laughing at the thing i did yeah yes so then he and i just started to go to open mics around brooklyn queens with a bit yeah a couple sketches some sketches yeah we we actually got passed at the uh the comic strip for like a second and third audition but Uh then didn't uh we didn't as a team as a team because i started in a team too in college oh i didn't know that yeah steve brill who's now a director uh who i just saw recently we you know we had put something together to audition for something, but then we went out and we did it a few times. It didn't really stick, you know, but it was really, it it wasn't, it wasn't like a team, team thing. It was more like sketches. Like there's like for the teams that do exist and they're rare, Mm -hmm. there's usually a dynamic and they do sketch a little bit, but there's usually the goof, you know, there's a thing. Yeah. You know, it's not always like, I don't know, were you doing characters? I think the only thing we had was that he he was shorter than me. Oh, you, yeah. You know, that, like that was we, a bit. That was our thing. Yeah. yeah. So it was good for five minutes. <laughs> right, right. But it was, you know, it was a good entree into the stand-up world. Yeah. And uh, I don't know about you, but for me, being in a team was like the drive home was just, or, or the train ride home was just a cooler thing to talk about how everything oh, sure, had sure. gone. That worked, yeah, you yeah. Know? As yeah. opposed to just being on the train by yourself going, fuck. Yes. <laughs> Looking at your notebook. What the fuck exactly. happened with that? <laughs> yes. And you know it's your fault because there's nobody sitting yeah, next to you. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like sad. You're like, ah. You get, <laughs> like, it's the worst, man. Oh, uh, yeah. You yeah. remember when, like, like, I don't know, like, bad sets still fuck with me. Well, they should, right? Isn't don't I? I feel at this point like a bad set is is a gift because they're they're in the minority at this point, right? So if something goes wrong, it's a, like an opportunity because you, you, a good set you don't really give a second thought to, right? Yeah. You, you don't think about, it, you don't analyze it. But a bad set, you you're like, whoa, what what did I do there? Like, well, sometimes I know it's like I'm off, but I also know that audiences can be off. But mm-hmm. like you know, but it also it's just weird, like. Because I've been starting to talk about certain things. Like, I, I don't have any problem, you know, attacking. Lately, I, you know, I've got toward, back into a sort of an older format that I used to do where I'm just doing these sort of, like, operatic attacks on, you know, uh, Republicans and Jesus. And, like, you know, but there's, like, I do a big, you know, end of the world scenario that involves yeah. Mike Pence. And, and, like, you know, I'm thrilled about that. Yes. But then when I have to sort of personally approach as an older guy who's now in a shifting cultural awareness, you know, what does that, you know, mean to me? How is my mind changing? Right. You know, because, you know, I was an old school dude 
right. you know and you know there was a language to things mm-hmm. and that's changing so i'm changing and i can feel it yeah. so how do i approach that right. and you know you step into that like you must have felt that when you're talking about lou too with about louie is like you know like whoa this is you know it's not just like it's not a bit that you can detach from. It's like you're all in. You're all in. And you're on it. And you feel like you start to, like, there was a couple of attempts I made at things. And it's like, oh, it's not there yet. Right. And this is dicey shit. And you don't want to be misunderstood. Right, right. So that feeling of, like, when you do a set and that doesn't work, you're like, I got, you know, that when we were younger, we might have bailed. That's right. That's but right. now you're sort of like, I got to figure it out. Got to figure it out. Yeah, you have to, you have yeah. to sit in that... Um, that kind of not knowing own the mistake yep you know uh, because you mean it it's like when you mean what you're saying the audience knows it right even if you're not landing everything right they they know like oh this guy you know you feel it you feel an audience go like what's Mm -hmm. going yeah yeah (laughs) but it demands more of you right like because after those sets yeah like it like i remember gary goldman saying to me after one of the sets uh He's like, are you doing this like every every night? He's like, that's got it's got to be like exhausting. I'm like, I certain sets I don't do it just because if I had like two or three sets in the night, it's well, like yeah, right. And you can also feel the room. It's sort of like oh, I want to, yeah. Do I, I want to fight for the next ten minutes? And the thing is, like, do I? You have to assess. Do I have the energy right. to do this? I just did it one time tonight or two times tonight. I, I there's really no need to do it a third time because it's scary, and it's depleting. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It it requires uh, a level of concentration. I guess so. I never think in those terms. I just think sort of like, do I have the courage? Mm-hmm. This one, you know, yeah. like because like I know it's. I don't think in terms of depleting, but I know I'm going to be in that insanely vibrant present. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you know, like it does require all of you. I guess I don't yeah. think in terms of like I'm exhausted. I just think in terms of like, do I have the fight in me? You know, to to put the room back together if the bottom falls out and uh, what I, what i'm saying is that i don't, I, I, I guess I think it's you the have same to, thing it's you, the same thing you have to assess that like from from yeah. show to show right, right. because th- there's nothing wrong with doing a show where it's just fun for you and you're not you know because we have a lot of material well, that's right? the other thing that's the other thing is like you know depending on who's been on there's the idea of like do i want to ruin the fun because <laughs> <laughs> there's a real chance yeah, that like yeah. i'm gonna ruin the fun yeah. for about a third of these people that's right and do i <laughs> yeah <laughs> i apologize in advance i'm gonna ruin some people's fun right now yeah uh, but you know i I'll, I'll pull it back after you know yeah well, you know what's funny too is like the last few years I've been opening for Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. So like, wow, uh, and that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty uh, you know there it's it's a safe zone. Well, yeah, no, yeah. like yeah, when I when I open for Jim, I do stuff that I would do probably for a TV set. Yeah. Or you know, right? Th- th- I mean, there's literally families there. There's for everything from kids to yeah. grandparents. Right. So and I'm also opening for and you know Jim. that did Jim lay it down to you? It's like could you not? No, uh, no, he, no. He pretty much says you know do what you want, but you know I'm aware of who his audience yeah, is and right. what what his brand is. Yeah. So when you're opening for someone, you're aware of that. But it's almost like this dual life now of like, know. you know, I, I would obviously I would never do any of the stuff that was like in that cellar clip yeah. when I'm opening for Jim or the political stuff. stuff. Right. So stuff that like, you know, uh, d- delves into issues that could be polarizing. So it is weird to have a foot in both. To me, like they're equally compelling things to explore. But and I'm sure you you have to do. I mean, you've yeah. made you've made your decision. You know, it's not even a decision. But what I'm saying is. Uh, 
like there are people who see me when I open for Jim. Yeah, like, th- that's great. And then if they see like something that's more political, like or, we didn't think you were. That's right. Well, no, right. that happens to me because like now people either they know me from the podcast or they know me from Glow, which means they don't know my comedy or they don't know my comedy at all or they've made assumptions about right. you know. But I mean, anyone who knows me on some level knows that I I can get political. But I had made a choice for years to sort of keep the focus on me and run everything through me, like you mm-hmm. know what's going on with me in relation to this, and I think we all do that to a certain degree but to sort of step outside of that and say like this is what's happening so we yeah, have can what? i can i ask because uh, that's interesting to me um was that that so that was a conscious decision because that's something that like is on my mind too of like uh it was about it was about a, appearing self-righteous okay because like i had to own that that if i'm if i'm coming on top if i'm coming over them mm-hmm. and i'm saying like you know don't you know you don't understand right 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 then yes. you know that that's that is not a human you know i don't have that really I, it's not really how i feel but sometimes in order to deliver that kind of stuff you want that distance mm. which is somewhat condescending and a little self-righteous mm-hmm. and i don't want to be that guy yes so, like, it, most of the time now, like, outside of, like, larger sort of kind of, like, elaborate satirical attacks on, you know, the vice president and Christianity. <laughs> right. Which I, I still try to be diplomatic about. Sure. By saying, like, well, I don't believe this and I understand that some people do and whatever. Or I say, like, look, I'm not, I'm not saying I, I don't, I'm not part of this. Right. I'm part of this. Yeah. When I say we're all complicit, I mean me. I'm not being condescending. Right. You know, we all fucked up. That's right. So, so I'm, I, that's how I'm started, starting to accommodate you know, what I think is our artistic responsibility, mm-hmm. which is to address this shit. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, for someone like me, mm-hmm. I can't go on stage and not being the, the, the neurotic, you know, kind of like aggravated person I am. I'm not going to detach from what's causing me a tremendous amount of anxiety and sure. fear and, and, and try to address it from that point of view. Yeah. Cause I think most people are stifled and they, you know, they do feel, everybody feels a little bit of shame somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that are, you know, going like, fuck you, fuck you. You know, their shame has turned into something else. They've, mm-hmm. they've allowed themselves to become monsters. But those of us who just feel guilt for not doing enough or not knowing what to do or not being informed, mm-hmm. you know, I can understand that. Sure. So then I kind of play with that zone. like. Mm. But like I was in Denver a couple of weeks ago and I realized a half hour in that I had you know, basically you know, depressed everybody mm. in the room. Like yeah, you know, yeah. I'd gotten to that point where they're like, well, this is not hopeful at all. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh. And then like I had to like, because I felt out. it. Yeah. I, it wasn't, it was a dig, but it was sort of like, okay, I know what I did. Yes. You know, <laughs> yes. We're all sad now and it's, right. you know, and I, I just made it not worse, but. You know, I, I I don't assume that you all come here to avoid everything, but mm-hmm. but I, I sort of like you know, there's a difference between saying like we're fucked, but uh, it's okay to acknowledge it, and maybe it'll be okay, as That's opposed right. to just be we're fucked. Yeah, yeah, and you, you know, well, it's yeah, delicate, and yeah, it is delicate, and I I think like that dynamic of and and it's it, it that dynamic is present on so many things on stage. In life, yeah. engagement versus detachment. Sure. Right? Am I going to engage with it and really uh, mine it comedically or detach from it because maybe I don't have the energy or the audience, like you said, came to escape this Yeah. or depending on the gig, it's right. not appropriate. Right. So yeah, there's so many like ways of, and it is ever present. I Like getting back to that we just got this alert on our phones. It's ever present. So you can't detach from it on some level. Um, it's always there, but, yeah. you know, I think comedically w- we do have 
the obligation, especially guys who this is what we talk we're about, talking about. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Like you have to figure out that way of making it entertaining. And also I think people are afraid, and I always address the fact that there may be people, like I'll say, like, you know, there may be, you know, Trump vote supporters in here. Mm-hmm. But but then I'll say, but I think at this point, if you were apologizing or blindly supporting this guy, you're probably a shitty person. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, at some level, you're a little shitty. Well, I have I have a thing I'm uh, oh, here not we go. to trade bits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. On the special, I say, uh, you know, a lot of people said, I wish my grandparents had lived to see Obama get elected. Yes. Yeah. His first black president. And, I, you know, I, f- I wish my grandparents had lived to see Trump get elected because they were racist and they would have been very excited about this. Uh, I'm, not right. saying, I'm not saying that everyone who voted for Trump is racist. I'm saying my grandparents were. Yeah, right. And if you voted for Trump, you, you probably would have liked them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's like finding ways to say things. Well, right? the, 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 the most difficult part about it is, is you start to realize that, you know, and I did it on my last special, that, you know, we do have more in common than we don't mm-hmm. but there's no bridging the ideological gap anymore there's, mm-hmm. there's no communication there because there's a wall for the more you know for you know whatever 20 30 percent of the people that are going to blindly follow him anywhere mm-hmm. without you know really kind of you know weighing mm. his uh immorality or his or his pathology or or what what he's really doing to the government mm-hmm. and you, you just got to cut them loose yeah, and and hope that they don't get violent or weird during your set. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, what's fascinating for us as standups is, uh, I, I think we're 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 kind of among the last spaces where these things are discussed publicly. Like we can't, we don't go into a room knowing those numbers. We don't have right. any analysis of who's in front of us. I mean, we might have some guess, but like we do what we do, right? So it's one of the last spaces where ideas just go out into a room full of people but but that but but also it's weird is that that's become threatened by our own self-censorship mm-hmm. and also by the the cultural reality that depending on what your public profile is mm-hmm. you know they can you know create a shitstorm for you sure you know like you know if i was a more popular public figure and somebody you know recorded this pen spin i'm doing mm-hmm. i would be fucking pummeled sure you know, for a lot of different reasons, but because mm-hmm. I don't have, you know, that type of traction, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, I'm not holding up the bloody head of Donald Trump. <laughs> right. But, but, uh, but it's interesting that we are f- afraid of not a, a, a true sort of fascist um, imperative, which yeah. is like, we will arrest people that do this. Mm-hmm. But there is, because of, so, you know, social media platforms. The minions will be sick. Sure, there yeah. is there is a momentum that can be unleashed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is, you know, pretty terrifying. Sure. So, like, we're up against that possibility. Yeah. So, but then there's the idea that, like, you're a comic, you know, what about the, the both sides thing? It's like, well, I can do that, mm-hmm. but but the other side is what it is. Right. You, you know, I'm not saying that my politics are... You know, are are deep or right in my stand up, mm-hmm. but I can't assess. You know what we're missing, all of us. Yeah, in this situation, sure. right? Yeah. It's well, tricky. I, and I also think that with the backlash stuff, we also have the option of just not reading it. You know, I don't have to read the comments section on 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 YouTube. I don't have to read the comments in Twitter. Like I put work out that I'm proud of. I thought it through. I so like you, you don't read it. 
No, for the most part, I really don't. Yeah, and I tried. It, it, yeah, I don't. Yeah, even no. if there is like a you know uh, the odd thing about you libtard, whatever, blah blah blah. Oh yeah, I just kind of scroll. I don't like because yeah, yeah, that doesn't bother me. I don't. Me. I don't want to know. In a comedy club, I don't want to know what everyone thinks. We're having this collective. Ex- I don't need. It's a collective. I don't need to know what every person thinks. They're experiencing it all very in that moment, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's a collective. But then a hundred thousand other people can experience like, no, this guy shit on Louis. That's right. Yeah, and and they're just watching it at their computer. <laughs> they're not even maybe not even watching. It. They're just reading the fucking that, headline. Exactly. Yeah, it's a different thing. Yeah, but it's like cancer. You know, it's like a very quick spreading virus. I had an interesting moment with that with my producer where I retweeted something mm. and it got shit from both sides. Like mm. it was, and, I'm, and I said to him, I said, it's a real fucking shit storm on, uh, tw- on Twitter. He's like, he's like, no, it's not. If not, it's, it's, it's a shit storm if a reporter calls you. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everything is so fleeting now that, yeah, even if it's a couple days of the, oh, wow, the people seem to be responding to this. Yeah, everything's so, it's so weird. It, people are just sh- like sharks, you know, consuming, uh, you know, information, you know, as they just sort of like, m- you know, swim away from self, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. No moment, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so you when you were out of the team, Lucian passed you? Lucian passed at the comic me strip at the strip, yeah, which was that was a big deal. That was probably the first, you know, because at that time the strip was maybe, I guess, maybe even a, correct me if I'm wrong, might have been even a little ahead of the cellar at that point as like an iconic because the cellar kind of came. Cellar was always its own world. Yeah, the strip was an old timey club that right. you know, like a lot of people started in, but it's it sort of like there was a lot of comics there at a certain point where they were all working, mm-hmm. but a lot of them were, you know, like it, it was sort of. Um, it became sort of a regional thing, I think, that, like, you know, I didn't go up there much. He passed me, but I, I you know, for me, it, it always becomes like, oh, then I got to go up there. And then right, come like, right. You know, but, it, it, yeah. and like, you know, stand-up New York, same thing. It's like, oh, can't I just All the can't. way uptown. But, yeah, <laughs> right, right. But I mean, I did all of them at some point. Yeah. But the strip had a different type of audience. It was definitely, I think, uh, you know, the the seller was always sort of international and local, and the mm-hmm. strip was kind of bridge and tunnelly. Yeah, and then the the stand up New York was you know weird contest people. Yeah, they're they're there to see for the funniest plumber Account, thing. And the, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a you know, it was an audience thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah it was the strip for me was like the first kind of stamp of approval of feeling like oh I'm a, I'm a New York comic now. Right. You then know? there was Dangerfields. I'm like I've never set foot in that place. <laughs> I did probably if you were Once. ten. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, those those nights. Remember when all the clubs in New York did like prom shows so you like that yeah. those prom shows like there's a prom show at 5 p.m i'm like i can't i'm not doing that yeah and you just walk in and be like a all bunch of kids and there's tuxes from the same fucking school yeah it was a fucking night 5 did, p.m or or 2 a.m right right, yeah. right. and that it was run all night worst yeah yeah you want to do prom shows no do you want to do new year's not really <laughs> i don't know <laughs> why wait why yeah. is it really that much money are you going to pay me a million dollars to do the the, the 11 30 on new year's i'm not for, doing it. yeah for seven 17 year old yeah i can't yeah. do it but uh so you just kind of you know jump through the hoops you did yeah the thing. you got you got it right yeah and and things that initially like i remember the first time i got asked to do a prom show like you're excited because you, you hear about them and you're yeah, like and they oh, pay they, they pay, pay, pay a couple hundred bucks that's right they pay more yeah so yeah all those things that you kind of take as a little badge of honor like uh, yeah i did that i did yeah, that yeah you know, and, yeah but yeah i don't need to do it again no if there's one thing you learned oh uh, i used to dread the prom shows because i was always sort of aggravated angry hyper political back in the day it's sort of like what am i gonna do like it took me a while to realize like i'm not for them that's right that's you know it's right. like vegas do you ever go to vegas not really i don't i don't love vegas and i you know i don't well, that's the thing that I think you get better at as a comic is realizing 
anything that you say yes to, you don't have to say yes to it a second time. Yeah. You know, like right. Vegas was that for me. Like I did it, I did it a lot for years. I would do like the Riviera or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then you realize like, oh, I, I don't like this. You know, I don't <laughs> like being here for a week, you know? Yeah. 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 So. Eating in. Like, remember, did you ever do the, uh, the catch out in Princeton yes. where you'd have to, you'd go downstairs and eat in the, the employee's, you know, kitchen. Yes. You, you, the first time you go, it's like, this is pretty good. They go to a buffet and then you're like, this is bad. This, this is, is awful. sad. I yeah. can't do this. Where and they had the fish swimming out front and yeah, front yeah, of the club. Yeah. They, yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. In that weird uh, atrium. Yes. That, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Yeah. Good right. times. Good times. But then there were good clubs. But, um, but so you like, it was weird that, you know, you worked, you mo- like I always saw you as like a Queens guy, a New York guy, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I never really saw you out here, but you know, you did all the things. Yeah. You did Letterman when he was there, you mm-hmm. did like, and all that started happening. Yeah. It's funny, you know, um, cause some people, especially of late, like with the special coming out, yeah. uh, do you know being more visible people say like why i haven't heard of you or, or the clip that came out like why haven't i heard of you right well that's I was like, well if i if i have been hiding it's been on letterman on well that's Conan, a, that's the, the weirdest thing the is Stella. like it's you know, i've learned you've got to look at that as a good thing yeah of course because of course. like you know it just means you're still discoverable i mean i still yes. at this point almost 10 years in or nine years and change, really, nine years in with the podcast, you know, I still still see people going like, I just found Mark Maron's podcast. It's yes, like, what do yes. we expect? Look, if you're not fucking Kanye, right, 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 or, yeah. or Kevin Hart, sure, sure. you know, you're, it's like, you know, you're, the, how, how do people watch anything? That's right. You know, like, that's the weird thing is like, you think like, oh, I put all this stuff out there. For years, you're sort of like, I can't do that because like, I've already done it. I did it, you know, four years ago on uh, Conan. It's like, no one saw it, dude. Nobody saw it, right? <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe your fans did, but that's the other thing is that you you don't want to disappoint the people that have been with you by doing old material or whatever. Sure. Yeah. But, so for the four people that are like, yeah, I saw that bit, and I'm like, all right. Yes. What do you want from me? Yeah. Okay. Everybody loves Freebird. Leave me alone. Yes. Can you be patient while the others <laughs> catch on to it? You know, or, or enjoy it again. Yes. Yeah. How about that? Comedy's not quite like that, though, because yeah. they know what's coming. Yes. And it's not like music where you're like, oh, I can just sway and I can remember what it was like when I was a kid. You know. Okay. Uh, but I, wa- I don't know if that's necessarily true. If it's a longer piece like the one you're describing, yeah. Um, I think like there is there is something to to seeing it again live. Sure, you know. No, no, I think that's true. You know, like because yeah. people are too quick to say like, oh no, there's the element of surprise. There's some people get disappointed. I was in Denver. I'm doing these hour and a half sets that are all new shit, and then there's some lady going like, what about the kitten? And I, like, <laughs> I did a cat bit, and I'm like, really? We got and, and the weird thing is sometimes I don't even remember bits that are even a year old like once Same. i when i yeah. shelve it it's sort of like i gotta you know drop the needle in yes you know, and hopefully it'll pick up my wife says that to me all the time she has like a really like photographic memory she'll be like well, why don't you do that bit about this anymore i'm like i i totally i don't even know if i remember that bit. that's right you know it's <laughs> weird right yeah and then some bits on like some of my specials i, I did it twice yeah like because i always leave room in my specials to, to like have a little kind of like you know, throw something in there. Yes. And then it like, even if it works, I'm like, oh yeah, I think that was the only time I did that bit. Yeah. 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 You know, I did Conan recently and uh, I threw in a line that I'd never done before. Right. And yeah, there is something cool about like in that moment where it's supposed right. to be like locked to like just leaving that little oh, yeah. space to be scared, you know? Yeah. And even in, in stand-up shows, sometimes I'll walk off of doing an hour plus and the only thing that hung with me is that like I did that one thing that uh, that was the best moment and I don't think it'll ever happen again. Yes. It's because yeah. I, I can't add it in. Yeah. There was something that happened yeah. there. Yeah. And it's uh, that's it. Right. And that's supposed to be, that's like the beauty of it. But uh, then there's part of it's like, I wish I could 
fix it and you make that happen every time. Yeah. Right. I, well, I think it gets back to what we're saying about that requires a level of, you also have to do some work prior to getting on stage, I think, with for me anyway, with certain parts of those. Uh, sometimes they'll happen organically in the moment right. and then great, you know. But there has to me, there has to be the work put in prior, which for me is like maybe just sitting, writing, almost journaling, uh, so that the stuff is germinating, right? And it's not hatched yet, it's right? Ma- no, maybe yeah, it's not exactly. even comedic. Make yet. the no- right, exactly. Yeah. That's what I do. You look at my notebooks; there's not one funny thing in there. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They're just these weird ideas and sayings and like observations. Yeah. But that's like you know that's I think the act of writing it, even mm-hmm. if you never look at it, it occasionally, I agree. It's how your brain works. And, yes. you know, you have, you, at least you have uh, some physical evidence of, of the thought process because you might not get that back. Yeah. You yeah, know you what ma- I mean? You made it real. It went from, yeah, just, you know, dancing around in your head to it's on paper. Yeah. And it's usually part of a larger idea that you might not have had yet. But if you can re-spark it by making a note and be like, oh, yeah, that's still sort of in there doing mm-hmm. something. Yes. You know, how am I going to, you know, get that out? Mm-hmm. Um, so... I met your wife. I didn't know you'd have a wife. This is a new thing. Yeah, yeah. We're married a, about a year now. And so we're that, like, I, I, I don't, you're one of these, like, I know, it's weird. You're just one of the New York guys that I don't, like, I never knew a lot about. I never, like, you know, I, I, I assume that you led an ascetic life, like a, a monk of some kind, where you're just in, in an apartment, perhaps meditating or uh-huh. thinking about how you can help the, the world. But no, you have Seems like you have a very nice wife, and you know uh, yeah. you seem happy, and you live in a regular life. I, how'd you meet her? I think my monastic years have been rewarded. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I put in my time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I w- that you're not far off. I was kind of, I was, I think, wholly committed to the comedic life. So yeah. I, I, I wasn't in a whole lot of like long term relationships. You know, it kind of wasn't on my radar. Of like, I was just so yeah, I, I was focused on comedy. Uh, I met Madeline like ten years ago, wow. and uh, yeah, kind of fell in love back then. And we you dated, dated, yeah, we dated for a year and a half, two years, ten years ago. Yeah, but she was uh, like in college, uh-huh. you know. So it was, a friend had in, the same co- friend that I mentioned earlier, Hollis, yeah. intro- who I started comedy with. He introduced us. He's yeah, like, you know, I met this girl. I think you, you would hit it off with. And we did. We hit it off immediately, dated. But she was young. So then ten years went by. You know, she, she broke it off with me. And I was kind of like heartbroken for a while, but then moved on, dated yeah. other people. Ten years went by. And uh, she reached out to me a few years back and uh, said she was back in New York. She had lived uh, in L.A., Puerto Rico. She'd been around. Uh-huh. She was in Italy for a while. Um, so, yeah, it, we just kind of picked right up. And it was like this amazing thing of like ten years went by, but it might as well have been a minute. And, you know still loved her and we just picked up and yeah it's great it's just a great thing yeah that's great what's the age difference 18 years 17 yeah yeah, it was a little 17 and a half i I, i'm at 15 but i think once you get in your 50s and they're approaching 40 it's like "Eh, that's all right it's not it's not the same as yeah yeah like 40 and 20 she's a woman yeah yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) you know well congratulations on the special on the marriage and you you know you seem great thanks buddy congratulations to you as well i told you how happy i am oh thank you that's very nice good seeing you man you too pal all right that was great i love ted great guy funny guy his special senior class of earth available through all things comedy go to atcspecials.com to buy or rent it and don't forget it's 30 percent off all merch at podswag.com just enter wtf at checkout dig it 
I'm just going to play three chords over and over again now with some effects. Boomer lives! <laughs> 